1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I ain't went back and worked for him. My dad always told me this, when people show you who they are, Believe him. He's showing you who he is.
1: Oh, we were shown plenty of things yesterday. It all blew up. Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher. Nick Saban versus Deion Sanders. Nick Saban versus anyone who may happen to be on his lawn, as the case may be. And it's relevant to the NFL because... College football is the NFL's free farm system. Saban was a long-time assistant and head coach of the Dolphins for a couple of years until he wanted to go back to the place where his recruiting skills allow him, or maybe past tense, allowed him to have a great team. Deion Sanders, a Hall of Fame cornerback. Interesting intersection of personalities and quite the battle and we're going to break it down over the course of the next half hour we've got two full hours though of pft live i am alive this is the pft live i am alive edition peter be very glad you weren't on the show yesterday or you would have had to fly the plane by yourself because for the first time ever
3: i had to get up and leave that's how sick i was mike um I actually look forward to the day where I can fly the plane myself because then everybody will see how much better I am than you. (laughs) Well, if if my body clock
1: had been 24 hours off, that day would have been this day. I I was miserable, and my wife had it in the middle of the night. And when I woke up at 6.30 yesterday, it's like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't right. Something's not good. Show must go on. Show must go on. I kept telling myself, show must go on. And the show went on just for only 13 minutes for me before I, I just I couldn't do it. And I, let me just say this. At the, risk, at the risk of being more graphic than George Constanza when he was explaining that he had to exit Tatiana's apartment due to an impending intestinal requirement, let me just say this. My timing was impeccable. That's all I have to
3: say. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Mike, I was reminded of I was reminded of the time that my timing was impeccable when uh, I was about to have my colonoscopy the next day, and I'm circling Newark Airport. I said, "Well, ten minutes longer of a circle, and we would have been in trouble. The whole plane would have been, but." Anyway, I'm glad to hear you're well. I'm very glad to hear you're well.
1: Your 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 timing though was not impeccable as it related to the commencement of the preparation. That timing was not impeccable <laughs> because you did not you did not count on forty five minutes of circling the airport uh before you landed in Newark. That was
3: for the Vince Young Pro Day in March of two thousand six, if was. I recall correctly. What a memory wow. you have. You got a better Certain memory things- about my life than I than I do. So- Certain things are unforgettable, Peter. Certain things <laughs> cannot be
1: forgotten, and I will never forget yesterday uh, or, uh, or that story. Um, all right, uh, so everyone, enjoy your breakfast as we uh, have uh, this uh, uh,
3: conversation.
1: <laughs> pivot, pivot to something just as gross but in a different way, this fight between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I love it. I wish NFL coaches fought like this. The sport becomes a lot more interesting. I mean, my God, I've already circled October 8, Texas A&M and Alabama. Are you kidding me? Here's why. This is Nick Saban from Wednesday night going in on Texas A&M as it relates to the NIL payments made to recruits, followed by Jimbo Fisher, press conference yesterday to fire back at Nick Saban. Enjoy.
4: I mean, we were second in recruiting last year, A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's despicable that a
2: reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen it's ridiculous, but when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past. Have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh... Oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when to. You remember... got all the advantages? huh? It's easy. You can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie. Because so I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Is I'm it going to be awkward? Ain't awkward about what? When you have to face it or have to I don't mind confrontation live with him my whole life kind of like it myself like we said never has been parody certain people never follow the rules anyway
1: my goodness my goodness there was a lot packed into about 10 minutes from Jimbo Fisher yesterday and it's even more compelling for me Peter because I'm sitting here in West Virginia the sister city to the town where Jimbo Home Fisher Nick grew up. 20 minutes from where Nick Saban grew up. Jimbo Fisher grew up in Clarksburg. Wow. We live outside of Bridgeport. And it's funny because, let me just diverge here because I've talked about this recently. My wife gives me a hard time anytime I criticize anything Nick Saban says because he's a West Virginian and we should apply some sort of West Virginia courtesy. I never got that memo during my years of <laughs> living in West Virginia. <laughs> However, however, in this fight, there's one thing to be from the state. It's another thing to be from the town. My wife grew up in Clarksburg. Jimbo Fisher grew up in Clarksburg. My brother-in-law played on a baseball team with him years ago. We are Team Jimbo. Sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Right state, wrong city. We are Team Jimbo in this one. And uh, it makes it even more fascinating. It's the best... Feud in West Virginia since Hatfield versus McCoy, in my opinion.
3: Look, you know what was amazing to me, as smart as Nick Saban is about football and about the world, he had to know when he started naming names that this was going to be all-time ugly. And... You know, and again, look, I don't know what Nick Saban knows. I don't know what Jimbo Fisher knows. I don't know what Deion Sanders knows. We'll get to that in a bit. But, you know, this has always been, at least in my opinion, like one of the great secrets, uh, that is one of the great open secrets in all of sports, how college coaches procure players. And, Mike, I'll just say this. You know, two years ago, when it was kind of being birthed, this whole idea of NIL, you know, of paying college players, I always thought college players should be paid. But I did think one other thing. Once you start to pay different college players different amounts of money, once you start paying the star quarterback and the star wide receiver, You know, once you start paying them, quote, what they're worth, end quote, that was going to open up the biggest can of worms in college sports scandal history. And there's been a lot of college sports scandals. So to me, what happened yesterday, you could just see coming a mile away, two miles away, two years away, and it finally happened. And honestly, I hope for the good of the college game that this all gets out in the open now. I hope that Saban actually says what he knows. And I hope that Jimbo Fisher actually says what he knows. I doubt they will. But that, to me, would allow college football and college basketball to start to get on the road to trying to figure out what is actually fair when it decides it's going to pay players. And let's
1: pull this back to square one for a little bit. So people understand how we got to where we are for years. There was officially, officially equality of resources. Nick Saban used the word parody this week and people misinterpreted it because he used the, the wrong word. He said there used to be parody in college football. He's talking about what you could give the players Every institution could only give the players so much room, board, tuition, fees, snacks, snacks were added in the past 10 years. The snacks were big. Snacks make all the difference in the world. But there was a limit. And that was all implemented by the NCAA. And, Peter, what happened was in those days, in those days, you had a hard official limit on what could be given to the players. And unofficially, there would be practices where some shady characters would funnel money to players. Some shady coaches would ensure that in order to close the deal with the best players, the ones they had to have, that someone operating in those shadows would ensure that there was a bag of cash or a handful of $100 bills that was given or whatever. Just – various violations that were happening to get players to come to Tuscaloosa or Gainesville or College Station or Morgantown or places where kids otherwise from 18 to 21 would not want, frankly, to live. So once it became apparent last year, it was a U.S. Supreme Court opinion. It was a narrow ruling, but there was a concurring opinion written by Brett Kavanaugh that made it clear that this NCAA model is an antitrust violation. You've got all of these different schools coming together right. under the umbrella of the NCAA and saying, "Oh, you can only give so much. You're, you're fixing your labor costs, so the floodgates open. So boosters who otherwise weren't inclined to be party to breaking rules, and you no longer had to be careful. You no longer going to be secret. You get with the floodgates opened." And and I've believed ever since Nick Saban started complaining about this, he knows he can't compete with schools that have access to more people, more money, bigger cities, larger markets, places that will be more enticing for young kids to live, like Southern California. That's what he's concerned about. It's the Wild West, and he's going to have a harder time recruiting because he's going to have fewer dollars available to him than other schools would have. I, I believe that from the moment he started complaining about it. And I think that's the root cause of the explosion that happened this week.
3: You know, Mike, I, I don't mean to go 90 degrees to the other side. But I thought it was an absolutely apt coincidence that on the same day, in the same week, that all of this is happening a guy most Americans don't know who he is, a guy named Jordan Addison, a wide receiver from Pitt, transferred to USC. And who cares? Everybody just says whatever. Well, Jordan Addison is probably going to be a very, uh, a very high draft choice in the NFL when he comes out. In the NFL draft when he comes out. And there are many rumors out there and I don't cover college sports, so I don't know. But there have been reports that one of the reasons why he is going to USC is because he can get so much more NIL money by going to um, you know a school in a bigger market, a bigger city, uh, trumpeting more headlines, all that other stuff. So, And I have no idea whether that is going to happen or whether it's not going to happen. But you can see exactly what is happening now. That if schools in big cities are going to be able, with tremendous amount of money behind them, are going to be able to use the market that they're in to help recruit players to get more NIL money, then it won't just be, you know, the traditional college powers in Tuscaloosa, you know, and in Athens, Georgia, and everything. It won't be just those places that's going to ha- that are going to have a lot of NIL money to spread around. It's also going to be in places that are a little bit down the recent college football pecking order, places like USC, you, you, you know, and and that to me is a byproduct of what we saw yesterday in the skirmish between Nick Saban and and uh, and Jimbo Fisher, but. As far as their skirmish goes, I I think that, as I said, I think it's good to get a lot of this out in the open instead of having it, you know, under underground, where everybody always talks about it, you know, at the bar and and, and all that stuff. But it's never really talked about openly. That is a vitally important thing, I believe to making sure that this thing gets fixed. And this is also, Peter, the consequence of a
1: corrupt system that exploited players, that denied them fair compensation for their skills and abilities. When you have years, decades, multiple decades of college football basically becoming professional football with different helmets and uniforms and younger players, but you see how many people are there. You see how many networks vie for the rights to televise the games. The Big Ten package is going to generate some record financial windfall. Not that it's a windfall because the schools deserve it and ultimately the players deserve it. But the players have been denied. I've said for years, you go to a college football game, everybody working there is getting paid except the players. And when you have that kind of corruption that is baked in for so long and it finally blows up, the reckoning finally comes, it's going to be messy And it's messy. They're getting the chaos they deserve. And everything that's happening is a direct result of years and years and years of exploiting young athletes and not giving them anything in exchange for what they were bringing to the table, other than the wholesale cost of letting one more kid go to class who doesn't want to go to class anyway, or maybe isn't even going to class. How much does that really cost? How much are they really getting? That, to me is the bottom line in all of this. And it's their own damn fault that they've allowed it to get to this point. It's their own damn fault that they're now caught in this crazy new reality where Nick Saban realizes, I'm going to have a hard time competing. And to the people out there who still believe that this is some sort of a long con by Nick Saban where he's firing a warning shot, basically, hey, if all these other schools are going to do it, I'm going to do it too. He would just do it. He's not going to say, well, maybe I'll do it in a year or two if everybody else keeps doing it. No, he would be doing it. This is not a warning shot. This is an SOS from Nick Saban to try to get things back to where it was, where everything was equal at some level, and he could close the deal mm. in whatever specific way he he closed the deal. Jimbo Fisher may have some things to say about what Nick Saban would do to close the deal. So this is what Saban wants. They moved his cheese, and instead of – Instead of adjusting to it, he wants the cheese to go back to where it was.
3: Well, here's the other part of it, Mike. You know, I don't know what is true and what is false here. But I certainly don't dismiss what Nick Saban said out of hand. I mean, I don't think that this is some sour grapes version of Nick Saban, you know, saying something. Um, I, I don't doubt that what Nick Saban has said he has absolute total belief, uh, is true. And what the truth is, I don't know. We don't know. I think the only, the only overriding thing in this whole situation is that, you know, the, the NCAA has, in essence, washed its hands of the affair once the NIL thing started. They may say that they are uh, policing this. But clearly they aren't. They can't. It's impossible. It is, it's a It's a system run wild. Remember when the My- University of Miami basketball player about a month ago started saying, hey, listen, here's a warning shot to everybody. If I don't get more NIL money, I'm transferring. I mean, I forget how he worded it, but that's in essence what he was saying. I read the Miami Herald story about it. And I just said, my God, did nobody see this coming? Did nobody see this, you know, whatever, whoever this guy was at Miami? I didn't even know how good he is. But did anybody, didn't someone see it coming that players were going to start to, I don't even want to say abuse the system, but I'm saying use the system in an incredibly distasteful way, you know, Here's a player, and I'm sure he's not the only one, who has said to his coach, you know, uh, listen, if I can't make any more money here doing this, I'm going to leave. I I went to Ohio University, and they had a very good basketball team the last couple of years. Well, two of their best players, maybe their two best players, transferred this year. I think one to Alabama, one to Virginia. And my first thought was, They're going to get more money in the SEC and in the ACC than they would in the Mid-American Conference for doing the exact same thing, playing basketball. And and, and look, I have no idea why they transferred, but that was the first thought that came to my mind. When guys enter the transfer portal now, all you can think of is, hey, you know, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) The great front page of the New York Post a long time ago when uh, Ivana Trump was fighting Donald Trump in divorce court and she didn't take the offer that Donald Trump gave her. And on the front page of the New York Post was a headline, Ivana Better Deal. And that's what all these basketball and football players are doing now too, the ones who enter the transfer portal. They want to play more, and they want a better NIL deal. And this is the chaos that the system
1: deserves for years of denying the players not only direct payment, but the ability to earn anything from their name, image, and likeness. Not only are we going to set up a system that says, thou shalt not receive anything more than room, board, tuition, fees, and snacks from your school, you can't even market yourself. You can't enjoy the benefits of your fame and your notoriety oh we're gonna sell jerseys with your number on it but and, and we're not putting your name on the back everybody knows it's your, the number you wear everybody knows that for the two or three or four years you're here if it's number one on this school's day that's you that's why they're buying it they're not buying it because they like the number they're buying it because they like you and it's the number you wear but you don't get paid any of it Th- that you know you use the word distasteful peter as it relates to how the Miami basketball player is handling his situation. It's distasteful that for decades, the NCAA and the schools hiding behind the NCAA logo kept the players from getting anything, anything. And so now they're in a position where they can get everything and they should. I got no problem with it. Go get paid what you can while you can for the skills and abilities that you have, for the work that you put in to maximize them, for the physical risks you take, especially in football. Go get paid what you can while you can, however you can, because the guardrails are off. The guardrails that were there were antitrust violations. So now they're waiting. And what they need, what they need, and this is one area where Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban agree, Peter, There needs to be federal legislation that is fair and appropriate to everyone that properly regulates this scenario. But even that, is that, I mean, should there be? I don't know. There's no federal legislation that regulates how NFL players get paid or any other professional athletes get paid. It's like anything else. Somebody has a skill set that they are making available and the marketplace decides what they get for it. And if they think they can get more somewhere else... They go try. What's wrong with that? It's the American way. So why do we have a problem with athletes trying to get more money for the things that they can do? And maybe they get it. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're successful. Maybe they fail. But you know what? There's such a small percentage, especially in the NFL and and, and in college basketball, of guys who make it to the professional level and get paid. I think it's good that they're getting money now because the vast majority of them are never going to get it. It's all the promise of going to the NFL. They all think they're going to the NFL. It's all that lure of going to the NFL. And how many guys never make it and never have anything to show for it other than the degree that they may get? And I'm not discounting that, but you also should be getting a piece of the pie, that this giant billion-dollar pie that you're contributing to while you're playing. And it's good that some of that money is being reshuffled and the players are getting something more than what traditionally they have gotten, which is nothing.
3: I start to think about the long term effects of what we're starting to see right now. And it isn't only that maybe a program like USC with an innovative offensive coach like Lincoln Riley might now start to get, especially after, even though he didn't do it, uh, the eighth pick in the draft this year, the top rated receiver or the top chosen receiver in this draft, Drake London is a USC kid, I think you're going to look at and wonder right now, Mike, not only could players follow uh, Lincoln Riley, a really good, smart, innovative offensive coach to USC, they might also say, hmm, second biggest market in the country. I want to go to Los Angeles. I mean, because there's the potential for more money there. And it just leads me to believe if you look at all of the schools in the country, you know, all of the big schools in the big conferences, who has the best alums who really desperately want to see their teams win? And I start to think of okay, can Michigan and Ohio State now recruit some of those players that? The SEC uh, were the were the total province of the SEC, and can they recruit them now because they're going to be able to pay more money in NIL deals uh, with their uh, rich and and kind of storied alumni history? You know, can they do that? Is that going to be a factor here? And is that wrong? All I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not really passing value judgment on it, but I. I am only saying one thing. It's going to be chaotic. And who is going to want to go play in Champaign, Illinois? Who's going to want to go play in some of these smaller towns in the huge conferences right now? And so there's the upshot of this. Man, if we covered college sports all the time, this would be a treasure trove of stories and information I'm telling you, there ought to be a college football talk. You ought to, you ought to be the founder of that right now there, and there find like five people. I, I remember. And you yeah. ought to find like five people who can cover it and go crazy with it.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a lot out there, and you're right. And the chaos is going to continue. And we already saw a separation. By the SEC primarily from the rest of college football and a small handful of teams, the best teams of the ACC, the best teams of the Big 12 jumping to the SEC, but it's the usual suspect Big 10 as well, Ohio State or Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson for a while. They've fallen off a little bit, but you know, Nick Saban was very comfortable with the prior system because he could close the deal and make the difference when there was parity of resources. Now that that parity of resources is gone, he's threatened by it. And he's also, I think, concerned that there's only so many total dollars to go around and every dollar that a booster gives to a fund aimed at funneling NIL money to players is one less dollar that the player gives to the school. And those dollars fund the coach's salary. And what you need to do is find a way to shake more a dollars out point. of the tree. Great point. And, that's, and that, many believe, many are saying, that's the, the point that Saban was trying to make Wednesday night. It was an SOS, yeah. not to Congress or to the NCAA or anyone else to change the rules. It was, at least for now, an SOS to his boosters, his alumni, his money people in Alabama to dig deeper Because now, not only does the program have its requirements, the players have requirements. We need more
3: total dollars in order to get this done, Peter. And, you know, Mike, over the years, you've heard about these NFL coaches and unemployed college coaches, Butch Jones, Bill O'Brien, you know, have gone and had like almost a gap year. And it's for some of them, maybe longer. It's almost like a gap year where they get fired and Nick Saban brings them down and they've got some area of expertise and it isn't just Bill O'Brien going to Tuscaloosa for a year or, or, or longer to essentially train or pass along his knowledge to the players. He's coaching the coaches. They did that a few years a few years ago with an NFL assistant coach who'd been a quarterback coach, Jake Peets, uh, who came down and taught him a lot of the RPO stuff uh, at 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 Alabama. And so, what they're doing is not just is not just doing this for NIL. Quite honestly, they are doing it so that uh, so that they can get their staffs better so that they can get their facilities better. And I think you make an excellent, excellent point. You know, the NIL thing just appeared kind of out of nowhere with a lot, I'm sure, of boosters who were already giving to the university and to the football program as much as they thought they could. So now there's this new pool of money that has to be funded. So they're going back to these boosters and saying, hey, You gotta dig deeper, you gotta help us. I mean, how much money can all these guys have? And so that or and women too, I'm sure. But that to me is going to be a huge part of this story going forward. And that
1: was the tributary that emerged as it relates to Nick Saban versus Deion Sanders, the head coach at Jackson State. Let's hear a little bit from what Nick Saban said Wednesday night regarding the buying, as Saban put it, of players by the school that Deion Sanders now coaches.
4: So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from a federal government standpoint... This is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division One player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. And
1: uh, that sparked a reaction from... Deion Sanders, who, uh, first of all, it was reported by Jean-Jacques Taylor of Anscape.com that it was 250000 in pending and future NIL payments for the player in question. Travis Hunter, I believe, was his name. What Deion Sanders said, and this gets to the point we were just making, Peter, Coach Saban wasn't talking to me. Coach Saban wasn't talking to Jimbo Fisher. He was talking to his boosters. He was talking to his alumni. He was talking to his givers. He was trying to get money. That's what he was doing. He was just using us to get to where he was trying to get to. Sanders is right. Now, the personal history wasn't there between Deion Sanders and Nick Saban. That was there between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. So it didn't go down that ugly path. And Sanders... Pretty much took the high road, although he made it clear he didn't want to talk to Nick Saban. Saban tried to call him. I don't want to talk to you privately. You talk about me publicly. I don't want to talk to you privately. I'll talk to you publicly if you're going to talk about me publicly. I like that approach. Let's hash it all out like you said. Let's see what's going on. Let's have some transparency. Let's find out what used to happen. You know, I was a little disappointed yesterday in the Jimbo Fisher rant. When he was saying, go talk to people who worked with Nick Saban about what he does. Well, you did. You did. You got something to say, say it. Go talk to people about what Nick Saban did. You're one of them. Keep talking. Tell us what he did. Tell us if you got something to say. That, That kind of bothered me. It'd be different if he was a guy who's never worked with Nick Saban and has just heard rumors over the years from people who did. Hey, you know, I've heard plenty of stuff about Nick Saban. That's fundamentally different from, I worked with him. So, regardless of what used to happen, regardless of what's happening now, the bottom line is, as Dion said, Peter, Nick Saban needs more money. He's trying, ultimately, to get more money until he gets the protection of a federal law that would, in some way, limit what can be given to the players.
3: I keep wondering, when I saw the Saban versus Dion. Thing. I kept saying, if I were the vice president of marketing for AFLAC right now, (laughs) I'll tell you what I would do. I would say we are leaning into this because, look, Mike, you wrote about it this week. I wrote about it on Monday in my column about Jerry Jones. Hey, look, conflict sells, you know, anger sells, bad news sells. And all I can say is that the most watched commercial in the Southeastern United States, from Miami to Houston, from uh, the Florida Keys to, uh, you know, to North Carolina, the most watched commercial and the most anticipated commercial if people found out that they did a commercial together this year, would be the Aflac commercial where Deion Sanders, you know, does something to, uh, you know, to Nick Saban. Look, it's got to, it it has to happen. It absolutely has to happen. I don't mean to be making light of this, but give the people what they want. And we're
1: going to talk later about the excellent work that you did getting the comments from Jerry Jones about how in the NFL anything and everything that brings attention to the product is good I thought yesterday Jerry Jones is sitting on his super yacht contemplating the ways he could maybe stoke Mike McCarthy to start a public battle with some other rival coach hey Mike what can you and I'm kidding but I'm not (laughs) like Jerry Jones had to see that yesterday and think this is great. <laughs> this is perfect. Because now, October 8th, Texas A&M versus Alabama. Must see TV. I don't watch a whole lot of college football, especially when I travel on Saturdays. I'm going to make sure that I see Texas A&M versus Alabama
3: on Saturday, October the 8th. That's for damn sure. Look, here's the one other thing I would say just about this little triumvirate, the Dion Fisher Saban thing and that is that at the absolute base of this at the core of this are three men who are very very good at what they do who are very strong-willed and really believe strongly in what they do they are not going to go hide in some corner you know you may have been disappointed at the fact Fisher didn't go farther in what he said But they're not going to go hiding in some corner. That's why, to me, this really legitimately has a chance to, even though Saban yesterday apologized and said, hey, I shouldn't have singled people out, even though he apologized for it, it's done. Damage is done. It's too late. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. And so the thing that everybody should hope for is a further airing of the problems of the NIL hurricane that has hit college sports. And 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 again, I think it's better than not paying players, but you can just see right now, there are problems here that are going to become, relatively speaking, ruinous to the game if everybody is just allowed to go do whatever they want to do.
1: And again, this is the chaos they deserve for all those years of denying players fair compensation for their skills, their abilities, their hard work, and their physical sacrifices. So I sit back and I say, let it burn, Peter. They'll put the fire out eventually. It's too big to fail. There's too much money in play for college football to fail. Right. There will be some fundamental stuff. Too many shifts. people
3: care. I, too many people care. Right. And and I, I
1: look, I understand that, the West Virginia university 30 miles up the road from me where I went to law school. And I've gone to plenty of college football and basketball games in Morgantown over the years. I fear that that organization is going to end up third tier or fourth tier because that's just the way it is. You can't compete when you're talking about gigantic money falling out of the trees, but that's the way it is. It's a system that, that was founded on a fundamental attitude of corruption in that the players were exploited for decades and now we're in an age where the players aren't being denied and and it's going to be messy for a while but that's what they deserve because that's what these institutions set up and they delayed the reckoning as long as possible the reckoning is now here you mentioned the apology from Nick Saban let's hear what he had to say after it all hit the fan yesterday and Jimbo Fisher said what he said here's Saban Backtracking a little bit and further explaining his remarks.
4: I should have never really singled anybody out. You know, that was a mistake, and I really apologize for that part of it. But I'm not against name, image, and likeness. I think it's a great thing for players. Um, You know, our players made a lot of money last year in name, image, and likeness. But, you know, I told our players to, you know, get an agent, get representation. You know, make what you can make. Players have always been able to work, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think, you know, the issue in college athletics in general now is, you know, the whole system of collectives and people raising money to, you know, basically pay players uh, to come, whether it's to come to their school or, you know, pay the players that are on their team. Um, you know, we've always strived in college athletics to make everything equal, make everything the same, whether it's scholarships, whether it's Alston money, whether it's, um, you know, uh, cost of attendance, academic support, whatever it is. And, you know, now, um, it's not really that way. And this has happened in basketball. It's happened in football. So, you know, I, I really didn't mean to single anybody out. Uh I apologize for that, but, um, You know, it's the whole system, and is this a sustainable system?
1: And I get what he's saying. Here's the problem, Peter. Here's the fundamental problem, because I've seen some of it going on here in West Virginia. How much of the endorsements being given to the athletes are real and genuine and authentic? Hey, this is a great player. And we want to pay him to endorse this product or that product the way we see it for professional athletes. How much of it is organic and authentic and natural endorsement deals and how much of it is just a clumsy, flimsy front for funneling cash to the kid from boosters? And if you if you cut the boosters out of the equation, if you take away these collectives that they're They're putting together and they have one in Morgantown where they pull the money and they pay the players that way. If you cut that out, they'll still find a way to do it. And it'll happen under the ruse of, you know, the local car dealership that never had any endorsers of any kind. All of a sudden has, you know, five kids from the local college that are getting a crap load of money. And, uh, you know, of course, that's just a front for funneling booster money to the players so maybe that's why congress hasn't touched it they don't know what the hell to do nobody knows what the hell to do and saban can huff and puff all he wants but i don't know that
3: there's a house out there to be blown down the right way i don't know what the solution is it would really help i mean the thing that would help the most is something that right now is impossible and that is a strong ncaa that member institutions really respect. I mean, there's not a lot of respect for the NCAA, NCAA right now, and so that becomes a bigger problem. How are you going to get? Or how are you going to get, however many schools there are in Division One A, whatever that is called, FBS, uh, whatever it is. How are you going to get all those people to agree on something involving name, in, image, and likeness and? If you do get them to all agree, you can be absolutely sure, Mike Florio, Mr. Lawyer, you can be absolutely sure that someone is gonna be on the courthouse steps the next morning trying to uh Antitrust essence, violation. It's an uh, antitrust violation. Tear asunder this thing, yeah. And so so that's why this is I don't want to say it's an impossible situation. But it's going to be really, really hard to get a lasso around, I think, not only for the schools and the coaches that that are trying to get a hold of this, but for the entire NCAA. The NCAA, in essence, when NIL started, basically seeded the fact that this was going to be a wild west and a wild, wild west in college sports for a long time to come.
1: Let me say one last thing about this. And, and this is a fundamental truth in the country in which we reside. And maybe this is why Congress won't touch it. Let's Think about what they want Congress to do. They want Congress to craft a law that limits the ability of one American citizen to freely choose to give money to another American citizen. A taxable transaction. Why would Why would the federal government not want a taxable transaction? Why would we have any issue... With people who are of legal age, 18 years old, old enough to go fight and die for the country on foreign soil, old enough to vote, and it doesn't even matter if you're old enough to do those things. There are plenty of people under the age 18 who make money, who get paid for whatever skills they have or for whatever reason somebody wants to pay them. Why would Congress do anything to restrict the free flow of money between consenting individuals? when you're talking about legal activities, there's no illegal activity here. So if you, if a booster wants to pay money to a college football player and, and what the booster gets in return, isn't great value. So what, why should we care? Why should we care about that? So that that's really the core here. We are asking college football is asking and hoping that Congress will come in and give it some sort of a hail Mary out of this mess When what college football wants Congress to do, Peter, is something that is inherently un-American, restricting the ability of people to give money to other people for any reason they choose to do so.
3: You get no argument from me. That's why this is going to be so hard to police, and it's going to be so hard to get it right. And I, I guess here's my last word on this. You know, I do think... That the original meaning of the of the the nil in the eyes of many people in college sports was admirable, and that is if you've got a hundred people on your football team and you have sponsors, advertisers, whatever willing to give a total of you know five million dollars to to sprinkle among you know all of the players then divide 5 million by 100 and give every player on the team an equal share and i think that is what i mean at first i thought that is where this was going to be headed the nil was not going to necessarily go to single individual players it was going to go to a team that alumnus x absolutely loved so he hey You know, all these kids who can't afford to buy a pizza on campus on Saturday night. Okay, let's give them, uh, you know, $5,000 a year or whatever the number is. Okay, let's give the basketball players something. Let's even give the non-revenue athletes something. Let's be fair to everyone who is on scholarship playing sports at a university. And that obviously was never what was, uh, what was going to happen. But to me, that is the smartest way to do this. It's never going to happen. But I think for all players to be able to get even a tiny piece of the puzzle, instead of one guy getting 500000 and his backup getting $0.10, cents, it just, I don't know. It, I understand that the American way is go make whatever you want, uh, as make as much as you want and all that stuff. But there's something about team sports that makes that a little bit, I, I don't want to say, and, and I realize I'm being Pollyanna here, but I wish that there would be some sort of thought about the common good that there really isn't.
1: But here, here's the fundamental problem. As college football has grown, and grown and college basketball has grown and grown and grown. The people who are responsible for the sport have found a way to maximize the revenues, to maximize the money, whether it's through TV deals, whether it's through ticket sales, whether it's through the money that they get from the donors and the boosters directly to the programs. These programs are flush with cash, billion dollar business That part of it makes it basically professional sports from the standpoint of the revenue creation by the various programs. The way they've dealt with the players historically, it's still amateur. That's the great firewall that prevents you from having to give the money to the players so you can use that money for anything else you want, including exorbitant salaries for the coaches, the athletic directors, and others involved in that apparatus. Nobody wants to get their ox gored. That's what this all comes down to. That's why they've resisted paying the players. So, Peter, you know what the solution would be? The solution is very simple. It's very simple. They aren't going to like it, and they're not going to do it. You let the players unionize nationally, and you have... You no longer have antitrust violations when you have a multi-employer bargaining unit. The NFL doesn't have to worry about antitrust violations from players as long as there is a union that covers all of them. And you negotiate with that union. And you figure out fair compensation. And you have a salary cap. Now, the problem still remains the, boost. the boosters are the weirdest part of this. Because think about it. Is there ever talk about professional sports teams having these fat cat rich people who got nothing better to do with their money. So they're funneling, funneling it into the pockets of of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. No, isn't it, isn't it odd? Isn't it odd that the, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an access thing or you want to feel like a big shot. I don't get it. I don't get it. And this is somebody who, because who, they don't need
3: uh, it. They don't need it. I, it's because there's $250 million given to every team every year from these media deals from TV the internet all that and so it's become okay could Aaron Rodgers instead of making 50 million could he make 65 right. million yeah I, I but you know who's fighting for that i don't know anybody who's ever said that's needed
1: it would just be nice if the boosters the college boosters would get a life frankly like why do you feel like you have to get involved and try to tip the scales? I mean, really, go do yeah. something else with your money. Give it to a real charity. Don't give it to this football program yeah. so you can feel this indirect pride that you're in some way responsible for helping put the program over the top that you've, you know, you got all this money and you're going to give it to the school and it's really not going to the school. It's going to the football program. So the football program is better. So you can kind of be a big shot and you can go stand on the sidelines and maybe you'll be in the TV shot when the camera pans by the coach. I mean, grow up, like do something better with your money. There, there are much more worthy causes than this ultra rich Football coach and the program he presides over. Let the money naturally flow in through ticket sales and through media deals like it does with NFL football. I just think it's so odd that this booster concept only applies to college sports and not to professional sports. And maybe the more we tear down the wall and let everyone know it really is professional, maybe the boosters will start looking around saying, why the hell do
3: they need our money? Speak the truth. But, you know, to me, in one place, it was really necessary. In college sports, it was necessary to get some money to the players, the people who basically are earning the money. In pro sports, it's just really not necessary. That's why there has never been a push for it. So... so. Let's just call college sports what they are. They're
1: pro sports, and maybe the problem solves itself because the boosters come out from under the spell of the likes of Nick Saban and say, I think you're doing fine without my money. I'm going to go buy myself a new car or a second house or whatever. No more freebies for you. You're doing fine without my assistance. All right, let's take a break. The Giants counting on the assistance of Daniel Jones this year as they have a new coaching staff. How does Daniel Jones feel? about the Giants not picking up his fifth-year
3: option. What do you got, Daniel Jones? Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me something, Daniel Jones. What do you got, Daniel Jones? Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me something, Daniel Jones. What do you got, Daniel Jones? Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me something, Daniel Jones.